The annual uh, gathering of municipal officials at the UBCM uh, convention came to an end today. Premier Eby spoke at the event. Uh, many resolutions were discussed and debated, as they always are, uh, and sometimes those conversations be- can be quite heated. Now, one of the um, resolutions that didn't get a lot of coverage, but I think is very interesting to, to many people, is the U.S. Minister was ad- advocating for tying traffic fines uh, to income. Well, joining me now is Patrick Johnston, the mayor of New Westminster, to talk a little bit about uh, tying traffic fines to income. Uh, Your Worship, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, Giles. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So uh, walk me through, uh, you introduced the uh, the resolution as a community, I guess. How, how was it received? Um, uh, surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly, it was received very quickly. There wasn't a lot of opposition at the floor. And uh, yeah, the delegates in at UBCM voted to support it and to endorse it. Endorse it. Now, maybe not surprising because I mean this is an item that actually there was a research co poll done on this summer and seventy percent of people in British Columbia support this idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, currently in BC, I think penalties for driving violations um, are you know range from one hundred and thirty eight dollars to. $483 uh, for speeding and $167 for driving through a red light. Um, shouldn't we be focusing on bad drivers, regardless of income? Oh, I think we should always be focusing on bad drivers. But I mean, when our only, when the, the only path we have to enforce this is to, is to apply fines, um, clearly it's an inequitable system where a person, a working person who just needs to drive to get to work because transit isn't available to them, you know, a $400 fine for them when they make a mistake on the road uh, can be life-changing. You know, it can, it can really take away from their ability to pay their basic, their basic needs for a week. Whereas a person who's really wealthy uh, gets the same fine, they don't even worry about it. That's just the cost of doing business for them. Mm-hmm. So I think that as long as your fines are inequitable like that, I mean, fundamentally, if you're wealthy enough, you can buy yourself out of the justice system. Hmm. So I think there's a lot of room to find some equity in there. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, what countries use the system that you're recommending in regards to uh, a means tested for traffic tra- for traffic fines? Yeah, there's a variety of different systems. Um, there are countries, I mean, a bunch of countries in Europe do this. Sweden, Finland does this. Costa Rica does this. There's, and there are places around the world that have been doing this for like 30 or 40 years. It's not a new idea at all. Um, it's, uh, it's become very prominent, I think, in the Nordic countries especially as part of the Vision Zero idea. Um, the Nordic countries have the, have the safest roads in the world, um, plain and simple. Uh, we, uh, a, city the size of, uh, a city like Oslo is the same size generally as Metro Vancouver, and they, on most years, they don't have any pedestrian deaths in their city. You know, and part of that is the road built, roads they build, but part of it is the way they do progressive enforcement and the way they make sure that if you break the law in a way that endangers other people, your, the penalty means something to you. Hmm. Uh, and in this case now, the resolution was passed by UBCM and its members. Um, the Motor Vehicle Act is still, um, uh, you know, regulates our province, which is provincial. What happens next then? Yeah, so this would, of course, the Motor Vehicle Act doesn't change. That just says what the laws are. There's actually a different, a different regulation in the province that sets what the fines are for different, for different violations of the law. So, I mean, really, we just had the members of the UBCM have asked the province to explore this opportunity. So it'll be up to the province, it'll be up to the Solicitor General um, to, to decide whether they want to explore this as an idea, and they'll have to work out some of the implementation issues. I don't think it's a simple thing to implement, but I do think it's a possible thing to implement. Yeah, and when, when, I, when I was just thinking, uh, it still means when you get hit with a fine that that police officer 
would still have access to your income or how, I mean, I guess it would be, oh. the, the, you, you would be told you're going to be fined and maybe you get a ticket later and because somebody, yeah. somebody would have to ac- have access to your income data. Fines are set by the court. They're not set by the police officer who's sitting in front of you. What the police officer does right now is he just writes down the, you know, the, the violation you've done. Yep. Now, a lot of the violations we are done right now have a fixed fine attached to them, so they're able to tell you at that time what it's cost. But ultimately, they don't make that decision. Ultimately, you can always go to court and argue about that fine. So it's important to note that the fines are provided by the court system, not by the police officer who is charging you on the roadside. So the officer on the roadside doesn't need to know your income. They don't have to worry about that work. Um, That will all be determined through the court system. So in this case, you would be hit with a, uh, let's say, a fine. Let's say you're going 20 kilometers over the speed limit. You're told you're going to get a fine. This would go into some sort of data bank. An assessment is made on what the charge for that would be. The system itself in the back end would have access to your income, obviously with privacy protection, and then you get a fine mailed to you or emailed to you or something of that sort. Yeah, it varies depending on jurisdiction that does this take type of action, and they all vary because every country has different privacy rules and different ways of, or different levels of government to manage different types of your privacy. So we need a made in D.C. solution here that works within our privacy laws and works within our our existing jurisdictions. And just to confirm, no other no other jurisdiction in Canada has this at this point? No, not that I know of, no. Okay. Well, it, it seems interesting, and as you say, there was a poll done earlier with Research Co. with a 70% uh, support. Uh, I think generally when people get the details, they would be supportive of this, and it sounds like a, a pretty good idea. Uh, let's see if uh, the provincial government moves on this as well. Um, yeah. Mayor, Mayor Johnson, thank you so much for your time. I'm sure you had a very busy week at UBCM, and you're probably looking for some uh, downtime this weekend, so thank you so much uh, for I, your time. I'd be lying if I didn't say I was exhausted. I... <laughs> Too many meetings. How many meetings? Can you, can you actually uh, count how many meetings you went to? I'm just curious. Uh, no, I mean, but it's, it's not just the meetings. It's the networking. It's also the, you know, the constant sessions. I mean, you're there from 7 o'clock in the morning until 7 or 8 o'clock at night every night, and, and there may be a beer at 7 o'clock as well. So um, that at night, not in the morning. No, so, you know, it, The schedule just catches up to you, you know, after, after a week of doing that work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Have yourself a wonderful weekend. Thank you very much. You too.